Hi everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the NSL's podcast. I hope you're all well who's listening. Once again, joined by my co-host John, show regular Francis, and we're delighted to welcome back Ram McGinley from the Celtic The Thunder podcast. How are you, Ram? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? He's all good? All yeah, good, all good, all good. Good, mate. Good. Appreciate you coming back onto the show. It's going to be a great one tonight, but we'll have to start with a bit of a sad note tonight. Now, that's the passing of Charlie Gallagher, a Celtic legend, part of the Lisburn Land team. And we at the end of Cells podcast just want to pass on our prayers, our thoughts with Charlie's family and his friends and extended family circle at this sad time. By all accounts, he was a much-loved player in that era, a fantastic crosser of the ball, as many people have said that today anyway. And we just want to pass on our thoughts and prayers to his family. Now, we'll move on and we'll go to the first port of call, which is the pre-season. And Celtic played their second game against Tartan Athletic, which we won 2-1. Carmel Golden-Belly scored and Alvin Yeti. Now, what I've seen in, in a couple of games anybody have seen, I've seen the take-holds of Postacoglu's style starting to come through in regards to high-pressing, Ren. And come to yourself first on this subject. Before we go on to obviously players who might have impressed or who might stake hold in terms of first-team players anyway, what impressed you about the game overall? Um, I would say the, the style of football overall is night and day to what we were watching last season. And I know that's a very... It's a very low, low bar that we've set, but um, I, I just see that the football has been a, a far more entertaining than what it was last season. Um, the pass and the interplay between the midfielders and strikers, um, the, the reluctance of going back the way as well is really, really encouraging. Seeing the, the guys look so confident after only a couple of weeks under Postacoglu, it definitely is. It bodes well for the future if this is what they're like after three, four weeks of training. I mean, what are they going to be like after three, four months of training? They're going to be settled and, and looking good. So yeah, I, I thought we played well. I think the game, the game was a, a tale of two halves really, because I thought the second half was about rubbish, but the first half was brilliant. Some of the football we were playing was was so much better than last season, and a couple of players really really stood out. But it was a good first half performance and a good win. It's good to get good to get in the habit of winning games again. So I can't really complain. Yeah, I'm, I'm much in agreement with yourself because. The way the game looked to me anyway, especially in the first half, we were high pressing, high intent. I know the second half kind of tailed off and a few players come in, which we'll talk about later, to kind of fail the impress again. But come to yourself, John, what's your overwhelming take so far with the pre-season games? Well, I'm happy with it, man. It's like Ryan said as well, it's, you're seeing early signs, of obviously, the way that Ange wants to play. And I mean, it's still very early days. Um, and like he says, where we're going to be in a couple of months compared to where we are now. It's going to be night and day. But it's definitely, I'm impressed with what I'm seeing so far. Uh, and like Ryan said as well there, the, it was a tail of two halves essentially. The first half was, I thought was really, really good. We played some really good high pressing football, like you said. High intensity. Um, high intensity. Um, and we, we were like, uh, I thought that the players that stepped in as well were fantastic. Um, and I think that a lot of these, the, the guys that played that first half are going to be sort of mainstays in the first team going forward. Um, two well-taken goals as well. Um, and But yeah, the second half was a wee bit more chaotic. It was a wee bit out of the place. But bearing in mind, these guys as well, a lot of these guys are no played football for months and months. So it's like they, they'll still be shaking a bit of rust as well. And as I say, they're still, they're still getting buying into this uh, particular style of football that Ange wants them playing. So it's going to take time. So I'm no taking too much for it at the minute, but uh, it's good to go off to a winning start, and that's two in the trot, so I'm pleased with that. 
two and two, one hundred percent in pre-season. Much to get excited about, isn't it? <laughs> no, but coming to yourself, Francis. Now, before we get on to the talking point, what we're speaking about, we have some great news to celebrate on the end of sales podcast, and that's the news of you and your partner Lynn that are expecting a baby. And we at the end of sales podcast, we've all became friends, especially through this, especially me and you guys. We just want to pass on our sincere congratulations and the best of luck to arrival into your family. Now, another thing as well, Terry, Francis' dad, you'll be listening, and this will be the first time you'll be hearing of this news. So what I will say to yourself is, maybe pause the pod- podcast night, chill out, relax, and digest the brilliant news that your son Francis is about to welcome a child into the world. Now, Franny, congratulations. How are you feeling? Oh, mate, well... Breaking it, but I mean, I've always got a kid, but still breaking it. It was just totally unexpected, totally unexpected. But we'll get there. We'll deal with it. Got to, I can say. But cheers, <laughs> anyway. Cheers, anyway. No, no worries, man. But what's your thoughts on pre-season so far? Yeah, well, I've due to obviously working stuff. I've not actually caught Master Catch the Games live, but I've seen snippets of them and read up. So, and it's it's good to see that you can see in the goals that. It's we're winning the, the ball high up the park and stuff and winning maybe scoring with a quick sharp passing so you can see early signs of Postacoglu's sort of a way of playing or how he wants to play and as we've touched on before, usually you're maybe not expecting his style to sort of be implemented till maybe twelve months time because you've got to get the players to buy in it. But they seem to be off off the bat just kinda they're buying in it and obviously yeah, it's pre-season, you can't read too much into it and stuff, but it's good to get off to winning starts because if we're wanting... At Celtic, you don't get really time, if you like, and especially post the Cogley's sort of an unknown way a lot is, but that could be ignorance, to be fair. So I think you really need to try and get off to winning starts and playing the foot. It'll help you believe in the system. So, yeah, it's it, it's positive, I would say, just to try and build up momentum and, as I say, buy into the way post the wants to play because... If he does try to implement this still, then you're not getting results. It's it's hard to kind of keep pushing it maybe in the players. So if they're seeing instant results, it's, they maybe buy into it a bit quicker. And we can, like Ryan and John said, we it's maybe a couple of months down the line and you're, you're flying. Yeah, I think it's more like it has to has to stick. The style has to come quickly because we've got so much coming, especially yeah. with the game coming in the horizon as well, Francis. And coming to yourself, Ryan, in terms of the style, we'll talk a wee bit about that. Now, the first goal, Dembele, did brilliantly. He, he cut in from the right-hand side. Granted, there was confusion in the box. Obviously, the, the line was packing us up, but he managed, to find, he managed to find the finish. And then the second goal was great play down the right-hand side again. Dembele was involved. The wee flick around the corner for Ralston and across in the box. And the Yeti, brilliant finish with the header, by the way, because he had to put all the power in that because there was no part in the cross. But are you seeing, because in the first game anyway, against Jeff Wednesday, you've seen that high press. The, the full-backs were kind of coming into midfield, creating creating more midfielders to a certain extent, kind of packing that middle middle of the, the road area. What, what's your opinion so far on the style that you're seeing? Yeah, I, I personally really enjoy the, the style of play that we're playing so far. It's definitely more entertaining to watch, um, even two games in. I think I think a good example was, against Sheffield Wednesday, I counted six or seven times, that Liam Shaw, who's a new signing that's just came in the door three, four weeks, was winning the ball back in the midfield. Like that's that's so good. It, it bodes well for the future that guys are buying into this this sort of philosophy and this idea of playing. But it's it's definitely more interesting to watch. I mean, you've got guys like Karimoko Dembele and Ayeti that are already that were kind of they, they were definitely on the fringes last season that are already buying into these ideas. So 
it, it certainly bodes well for the team if we get guys like this that are coming into the team and showing that they can that that they do belong in the team and that they've always been there. It's just they weren't necessarily played last season. I mean, I don't know about yous, but Caramel could Dembele could have played at least twenty five games for us last season, no problem. So I don't know why he was out yeah. the cold for so long. Yeah, uh, I agree. 100%. I think as well that you're, you're right to say this style will suit the likes of Dembele, the suit the likes of Vieri, Turnbull as well, because it's all about the attack and flair. I, can't, I think it was Turnbull said in one of his interviews about Postecoglou, he said that the, the, the boss just wants us to express ourselves and not so much worry about mistakes, but as long as, as that reaction is right in terms of winning the ball back, which I think is great because I think a lot of the players last season kind of fell stale, John. And it was like, it was just side to side, back back to front and it wasn't really going anywhere especially when you're going forward you need to have that creative spark it felt like and I thought looking at the game in terms of the high press and energy state in the first half anyway as we talked about the second half was a bit bit crap to be honest but it, it was excellent to see the players were playing with that smile on their face that freedom that Posta Coglu has told them to go play with wasn't it? Oh, definitely and you can you can see just in the way the guys are looking and the way they're playing that they're enjoying it as themselves as well um, I just want to touch on uh, Shaw, by the way, because mm-hmm. the, 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 I know we've only, it's only been a couple of games we've seen him in, but he, he looks a player, and I've been really impressed with his work rate, like in that sort of midfield role. And he's, he's like he, he, he seems like he's he's going to fit into this team really, really well. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's starting like most games during the regular season, because I think that's the kind of player we've no had for a while. Um, it just seems like something. Last season we kind of missed it a wee bit. I know we had to like say, uh, your Scott Browns and that and sorry, but we weren't. We never really had a proper like sorry, holding midfielder, which shockingly reminds me, somebody who can sort of bring break play up a bit, bring the ball forward a wee bit box to box. So mm-hmm. I think it's something that, like I said, I'm really impressed with how he's playing. But I think that other guys are going to thrive under that system that you said, Dembele. Looks like he's a player who who can who can definitely do some damage, and I, I agree with what Ryan was saying. He could have easily played most of the games last season. And we were screaming on this podcast as well. We were screaming for him to start numerous times because we were we we had absolutely no width for the majority of that season, and we you, we were always asking ourselves why are we no utilising these guys with no Forest, but Dembele was just sitting there in the cold. So I'd like to see him obviously play a bit a bigger part as well. But I think other guys that could thrive under it, um, Trumbull especially, he's got an eye for a pass. He'll be able to sort of break lines and and get the ball in behind the defence and stuff as well. So I, I'm de- I'm really really excited uh, for the upcoming season and watching how this develops because as I say, the early signs are positive and um, yeah. I'm really enjoying that. I think it's a bit naive of us, obviously, to get all excited about pre-season, but it's refreshing, Francis, isn't it, to see the way Celtic are playing. I mean, Ram made a brilliant point in terms of the Sheffield Wednesday game. Liam Shaw won the ball seven times high up the pitch, and eventually one of them, when he won the ball, led to a goal from Albany Yeti. But much as the same in the first half of this game against Charlton as well. It was all about pen, pen in the back. At one point, at points of that game, Barkas was playing firstly on the centre circle. <laughs> and there's been much to... People saying that it's high risk and I mean high risk, high reward. Is that is that not the same? But can I just say it, as well about that Barkas carry on? I think we all seen with Scotland's Euro performances and Marshall's mistake. The keeper should be kind of sitting back, and I'm just willing <laughs> to price that that, that Barkas, if he is our first choice keeper going forward, doesn't he feel the need to get that far up the park because the last thing we need him doing is making mistakes. Aye, but on, on on that point, Francis, 
What's your opinion on the overall kind of style that you're seeing so far? Yeah, it's just like uh, Ryan and John said. It's very promising because it's it's fast, it's attacking. And like you say, if Tumble's interview was telling just being saying that we've been told to take risks and stuff. Don't be scared of the risk because if you're if you're scared of making a mistake, like fans weren't in the game. You can sometimes make excuses for players when fans are in the game and things are not going well. They might choose easy pass because they don't want the fans getting on their back. But last season there was no fans there to get on their back. So if you're if there's no fans in the ground and you're fit to make take a risk, then you're in bother. But I, I do feel you shouldn't be scared to to make that risk because if you're confident that you're not the manager's not got to be on your case as such, if you play out one or two bad passes, as long as you're trying to play that colour pass or you're trying to express yourself, then I think that's that's a positive. But well, more often or not, it'll come off because you build confidence. You're playing how you want to play if you like. So yeah, it's just as long like I say. The pre-season games, that just as long as just keep winning these games, and then the players will buy into it because it seems like you say Ayeti seems has started off good. So and Liam Shaw, so you just want these players to try and buy in it as early as they can. And results help that in the way if you're playing, winning it back high up the park, and that's the way they want to play. It's it helps everything come a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. I agree. I just want to focus on a few players, individuals, and the first one I want to come to is Albany Eddie, John. And for me, two and two, yes, it's pre-season, but he's proven again that he can score goals. He's, he's a penalty box trigger. I think we all know that by now. And especially when he burst onto the scene last season, he scored, what was it, five and six at one point? Uh, it's a good so he, yeah, he, he does have a good knack of finishing the ball. John, do you think Albany Eddie, I mean, he looks far leaner, not sharper, I wouldn't say he has blister and pace, but he just looks far leaner. He looks into the style. Yeah. He, he looks like fits the zone. Do you think he can be the number one go forward? I definitely think that again this this is the style of play that's going to suit him because if you're playing a high press he's going to be spending a lot of his time in and about the box anyway so um, if if he can utilise that and he is just going to play that kind of role similarly to what we've seen with like say Hooper and uh, McDonald then I I mean again it's still very early days and he's got a bit of making up today for down in tools last season but He's definitely looking like he's he's a wee bit hungrier for it, and if he can keep himself sort of fit and sharp, and he, he, we can play him regularly, I certainly think he's capable of scoring quite a lot of goals. Because I definitely think there's a player there. Um, it's just whether or no, um, well, it's all down to the player at the end of the day. And if we start seeing him no playing, then we know that he's no pulling his weight. So. Yeah, I mean, a striker is paid to score goals, and by all counts, he's doing that at the start of the preseason round, isn't he? Do you think from what you've seen so far, especially with the situation regarding like Griffiths and then Eddie leaving, do you think that kind of pressure's on his shoulders now to step up and be the main striker at Celtic? I mean, ideally, I wouldn't want him as a number one striker because then we're using the this, this sort of narrative that he's like a new signing because he's he's doing his job all of a sudden. I know. I, He's he's always been a, a good striker. It's just he had a really bad season. I mean, the last two seasons, he he didn't have a really favourable sort of outcome out of both seasons because he only got about eight games for um, West Ham in his whole career there, and then he was on and off last season. So, I mean, it is a clean slate for him. I do I do hope he does well and gets into the team, but I I do hope we get some reinforcements in the striking position because it would just scream ne- negligence for me if we we don't go and buy another striker and we just settle with what we have because we. We hardly have any to begin with. We can't we can't just settle for this one guy because he's he's suddenly pulling his weight. Um, but yeah, 
he's he's the sort of guy that when we signed him, I I thought he'd be a perfect fit for Scottish football because I watched his goals for Basel and like he scores every kind of goal. He'd be perfect for this league. Gets in and around the the defenders. He's a good header of the ball. He's got some some power in his shot. Um, so I thought it was a match made in heaven, and I'm glad that he's he's finally starting to show he's worth. To be honest, but at the same time, um, I, I do still think we need reinforcements in that position. Yeah, I think you're right. We do need we need reinforcements in every part of the pitch, to be honest. And it would be negligence if Sadly don't go out and do that pretty soon, especially with the qualifiers so close, Francis. But just focusing on the Yeti, have you been impressed so far by him? I think Ryan makes a perfect point that one of the Sadly board kind of construed this into he's like a new setting. We've heard that phrase over and over and over again, especially with past managers with certain players coming back, even the extent Maggie Johnson was once described as that. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But what's your opinion so far on the Yeti? It's, it's hard to criticise a guy's score to it's, 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 it's kind of hard to criticise him in that sense but like Ryan said it's it's just, it's just in his job at the end of the day but I think he will be suited to Postacoglu's style just simply because he, he looks like he likes to play on the shoulder he doesn't really want to be taking five, six touches really just it's either he hits it earlier it's one touch to get out his feet then, then hits it and stuff so I think that can work and it could be the number one striker. Do I want him to be? I don't know. I don't know. I'm yet to be convinced, but that's down to numerous things that he never really pulled his weight last season, but was he not really given a chance? And also, if Eddie's got to stay about, I would rather Eddie played up front than, um, was it, uh, a Yeti. But I do believe it could be the number one striker. But I've got to agree with other guys, you've got to bring in backup anyway, because if, if he, go, if he starts not playing well or gets injured, it's who then do you rely on? Because obviously Bio's away, and by all accounts, we think Edward's got to go. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be too disappointed, but it would all depend on who we, who else we bring in. Because he also comes across the type of guy if he gets injured, he needs three or four games. I feel to get up to speed. Whereas yeah. guys like Edward, it's straight off the bat all the time. Well, I think that's just Edward's quality, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just unfortunate that. Half of last season, he'd have spent it as not giving a shit, to be honest. But yeah. I know the goals return, he did well. But I mean, overall, he, he was kind of... He was, was season here. Yeah. But what's what's your opinion then, Francis, on the other guy, Carmoko Dembele? Now, he's been in everyone's mind since he was 13 years old. Then videos appeared on YouTube and stuff. And we all know he has talent. And what, what was seen in the, the, the previous game there against Tartan, the first 45 minutes, I thought he was fantastic. There was times in the game... He took the ball under pressure, flicked it around the corner to Ralston for that goal. He scored a goal, so he had a hand in both of them goals. Do you think, going forward, he should, this is his season, to kind of step up and be in that first team, or at least in and around it all the time? Definitely. I think it's a big season on both part, on Dembele's part and Celtic's part, on whether they're keen on the guy. Because I think he's got to take his chance when given, but also equally, Celtic need to give him that chance to take it. So I think, I guess... If I repeat myself, I think he does suit the style because he, he, he is the type of guy. We've seen it in a couple of games he played to the tail end of last season. He, he was always looking to go forward, but at the same time, he wasn't scared to go back the way and keep yeah. the ball. But an, his initial thought was, I'll look to go forward. He would maybe make the wee four or five, run, four, five yard run forward and realise, I'm not going anywhere. I'll come back out and start again. So he has got that awareness. Eh? Try to keep, keep the ball. We'll reset and go again. So... I think it is a big season for him to see if he's got a, if he believes he can make it Celtic, then it's a big season for him. But equally, he needs to be given that chance 
So Celtic need to be, if they want to retain the guy, they've got to use him. But you can't just use him to try and keep him. You've got to use him because you need him, if that makes sense. I think that's a fantastic point. Don't use him to try and keep him. Use him uh, because he actually deserves to be in the first team. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think that's a fantastic point, Francis. And Ryan, coming to yourself, I'm in much agreement in terms of what you said. He could have played 25 games plus easy for Celtic last season. When you take into account the Forest injuries, Johnson as well, do you think this season is kind of his, it has to be his breakthrough season after all the year, years we've spoken about him? Mm-hmm. I've got to be honest, I want to see him get a contract renewal before I see him breaking into the first team because I don't want to be playing this guy for 25, 30 games and then he goes out the door at the summer because that, that mm. just doesn't benefit us. Then we're just we're basically just um, making another player for another team. I want him to commit to his long-term future before we make him a first-team player. I mean, one of the points I wanted to make is that James Forrest turned 30 years old last week. We've, the shelf life for wingers is not as long as other positions on the park. Because that, that natural pace will leave, will leave him in a couple yeah. of years. It's just natural. What It's what happens, unless you're maybe Iron Robin or something. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you've got you've got to start preparing for life without these players because their shelf life's not that long. Um, it'd be great to have a guy like Karamoko to to sort of take the load off of Forrest in every game. Like Maybe, maybe Forrest can play the European games, but then Karamoko comes and plays the the Scottish Premier League games, that would be ideal because then we've got strength in that position. And then we, we wouldn't need to even go and sign anyone in that position because I think we need we need a left winger more than a right winger now yeah. after the emergence of Dembele in these games. So um, I, I would like to see him getting a bigger chance, but I'd love to see him get like a three or four year deal and then we know that he's definitely going to be there next season. Or this yeah, season, I think I, rather. I think that ties back to what Francis was saying. Don't be playing him because it's... Like play him because you actually want them in the team and therefore it should prove his worth and hopefully he would sign that contract I don't want them playing as you said, ran 20 games being amazing, Celtic off him a contract and he's like, no I'll look elsewhere and he goes for free because what, what we've really done there is develop a player for another team as you said and coming to yourself John in terms of Dembele, do you think as, as these guys were touching upon, he needs to sign that contract and be a part of this first team going forward? Yeah, absolutely agree, um, I, I think it's, it's paramount that we get him tied up for another three or so years, um, and then obviously, like you says, chances are if he plays to his ability, and then we know how good he, potential he's got and how good he could be, then he's going to hate suitors chasing him anyway. I mean, he's already been watched by other big clubs as it stands, so we need to be aware of that as well, um, or we could risk losing him for absolutely nothing. Um, so definitely tying him down and securing that, and then hopefully keep him for another couple of years, or if clubs are willing to come in and spend on them, then at least we reap some sort of reward for it. So I think it's absolutely paramount. But I think he's more than capable of having a a breakthrough season and playing a large part in the season ahead, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And just quickly before we move on, folks, Ryan, come to you for this first, just briefly anyway. You said there we need a left winger. I totally agree. Now, Mikey Johnson, he's been around Celtic for years and years and years. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, the age he is now. It's all about potential with this guy. But I don't think that word can be used no more for him, personally, myself, Ryan. I think he needs to establish himself. I thought he's had perfect opportunities to do that. There's been games, yes, he's been played out of position in certain games, and he's failed to impress. Mm-hmm. Do you think Mike Johnson has one last chance to impress the Celtic or risk being let go? 
I've got to say, the amount of injuries he picks up, he's become very unreliable in terms of left winger. I mean, we only had El Yunusi to play there, and even he didn't get a lot of games last season on left wing. He was playing everywhere. <laughs> he was playing out of position most games. Um, it's got to that point that Mikey Johnson, he, he, the only reason he's got such a, a high potential is because people keep on talking about this, oh, he's going to be such a great player. But time's going on a wee bit. He's getting a wee bit older, 22, 23, and he's not really made his breakthrough. He, he's, he's always been on the sort of, on the edge of making a breakthrough, but he's never got the sort of 10, 11 games in a row because he picks up an injury here or there. And Celtic can't afford to let this go on for much longer because it's we've, we've got to cover ourselves first. We've got to have winners down that side and guys that are going to be playing every game. We've not, we've not really had that since Sinclair left. Um, so... I think it's just negligence that we haven't got anyone in, in yet in that position, along with a couple of other positions. But um, yeah, I think left wing's definitely a priority, whether that be we bring someone in on loan or we get a good youngster in. Yeah, I think the word Omerable is perfect to describe Mickey Johnson. It really mm-hmm. is, because we've seen him come on games. He scored in that European game against Sarajevo. It was a fantastic goal, cutting from the left-hand side and winged it in with his uh, right foot. Brilliant game on the European stage. But again, he gets these injuries and you don't see him for the rest of the season, Francis. You're much along the same lines there as Ren and what he's saying because me personally, I think he is reliable and we do need to add depth to that position anyway. Yeah, I can't disagree with anything Ryan said and also what you just said there is when he gets injured, it's he never just seems to be out for 10 days or two weeks, it's months. The whole... It always seems to be out for months and so I don't know if that's maybe an issue with the guys, just the way he's, he's built, the way his, metab- uh, his body is, like similar to Daniel Sturridge. Never seemed to get leg breaks, but it was just muscle injuries that kept you out for two or three months at a time. So, yeah, he's, he has become unreliable. There's no doubt there is talent there in the boy, but, yeah, you just, you can't, you can't rely on him because, like Ryan said, he's not, to my knowledge, he's not played 10 games in a row. And at his age, you would have expected him to have played a lot more than he's done. So, yeah, I'd, it's not anything against Mikey Johnson. I just, uh, I feel you. It's simply, yeah, as he can't rely on the guy, he's unreliable due to injuries. What about yourself, John? What's your thinking on the Mickey Johnson subject? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in firm agreement. I mean, like Franny says there, I think there's definitely talent there, uh, but he is unreliable. The boy's essentially made of glass, isn't he? So hmm. it's, I mean, you can't bank on him going through a full season and remaining injury free. That's just not going to happen. I think that's just being realistic. And as Ryan says, it's a position that is of paramount importance, especially with this kind of style of football that Ange wants to play, you're going to need these sort of fast uh, attacking um, wing wing players. And we've not got that at the minute, really. Uh, like you say, we've not had that since Sinclair. Um, and by all accounts, Eli Nussi could have been that guy, but he was played ultimately out of position a lot of the time. He's away now anyway, so that's irrelevant. And mm-hmm. it's definitely a position we need to strengthen. I think Mikey could still play a role um, in, like, maybe coming off the bench for, for so many minutes a game or whatever the case may be as an impact kind of player uh, if you need a wee bit extra creativity on the left. But uh, no, we definitely need a, a quality starting left winger. Absolutely. My, my, my problem is we've just let a guy go that scored 15, 16 goals last season. We've not brought in mm-hmm. anyone to replace him. I mean, already we had last season, we had Callum McGregor losing a lot of his goal, goal tally. You know, he, he usually got 10, 11 goals. He didn't score that last season. Lost El Yunusi, Christie wasn't scoring as many goals. It, it doesn't seem as if we're putting more goals in the team. It only seems as if we're um, losing more and more goals out of huh. this. Yeah, that's what that's what it does seem like. I mean, 
You're right there in terms of El Nusi. He, I mean, he he did, to be honest, defend opinion in terms of his consistency at Celtic, but, but by all accounts, he did have a good goal return. Then Christie wasn't performing well. McGregor lost the goal tally. And it is important, like what you said, John, that left wing position, if we're going to play this high press and fast style, we need that pace on either flank. If it's Forrest, if it's Johnson, they need to stay fit. Do you know what I mean? A position we're going to come to now that maybe doesn't need strengthened, but it needs sort of who, who's going to be number one, and that's left back. Now, there's Taylor, Greg Taylor, Adam Montgomery, and then Bolly Bolongoli. I mean, he does divide opinion among the Celtic fans, <laughs> but I'm going to be straight. I'm going to, uh, this is going to be controversial. I'm going to be the <laughs> Going forward, if he proves himself, if he proves his fitness and he wants to stay at Celtic, I would go with Bolly, Bolongoli, as the first choice left back. Now, let me explain that before I give it the one who's. The reason why, because Celtic shelled out three and a half, four million pounds on him. He came from a good pedigree at Rapid Vienna, playing European football, Europa League, playing in Austria with Rapid Vienna. And he came to Celtic, and by all accounts, I think he did have a good few games. Yes, the first couple of games he did struggle to adjust, that's granted, but again, he's a, a new foreign import coming to a new country, a new style of football. And then that unfortunate, stupid incident that he'd done by going on holiday to Spain for an evening and didn't tell anyone in Celtic they'd done that. And people will say that led to all the events ran that kind of messed up Celtic season, which kind of is true. But me personally, I would like to see Bolly again, just to see what he can offer. What you're thinking? Yeah, I, I would be, I mean, after watching Greg Taylor for 45 minutes in that last game, I'm, I'm willing to give anybody a chance, to be honest. I, I just, I, I do not see it in Greg Taylor at all. I see him as a Kilmarnock standard left-back. I don't think he's improved at all from when we got him at all. So um, I'm willing to give even Montgomery a chance. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I definitely want to see Bowling Goalie in this team. I want to maybe even playing as a left wing-back, because that's his actual position. Um I I'd be I'd be willing to give him another chance. I mean, Hickey was the dream. I thought he would, if we were going in from. Obviously, we're not getting him now. But um, if we were to sign him, he would he would walk into this team because he's just far better than the other options we've got. But um, I it's, it's just it's basically it's like my anyone but England. It's anyone but Greg Taylor for me, unfortunately. <laughs> I I had this argument in our group chat as well, but Greg Taylor. I think he's a solid player. It's nothing against him. As you said, SPL standard, Greg Taylor, I mean, he does a job. He does. That, that's fair enough. But Francis, selling the DM Heron, and I'm not saying Bolo Goalie is a guy who's going to fix all these issues, but give the guy another go. He had a horrible season that season by all accounts at what he'd done. But surely all these chances that other players get, one needs to be leveled at Bolo Goalie, surely. Well, I've just got to put a disclaimer because I don't know how many times I've got to contradict myself here. But yeah, I, like, I'm out of the three, I'm Team Taylor, but it's more I'm basing basing it on what what you would pick if I was starting the first game of the season. That was my three options. I'd put Taylor in. Do I think his answer? No, I've been perfectly uh, clear on that. But I think he's the best out of the three. What on what I've seen, and to use your logic with Ball and Golly, how it came for good pedigree. You like go and get Lax, keep Laxal then. Laxal came for good pedigree. Can't use that argument. You can. You can. Laxalt was horrible the Celtic jersey. It was, and Ball and Goalie's been horrible. But he's our player. But we can yeah, surely no, he'd but other teams. It wasn't your player when he was playing with Rapid Vienna. That's your. Lo- you're using that logic with Rapid Vienna. He was that good. He was good with him. Laxalt was the best left back in the World Cup, but it didn't look that like in a Celtic jersey, did he? So, but I would, and as I said to you, I'm not against Ball and Goalie getting a chance. But if you're asking me. Out of the three, I would have to say Greg Taylor. I wouldn't be against Montgomery getting it. Now, if Ball and Golly gets gets the job and plays it and does well, 
I'll be happy because at the end of the day, we all just want Celtic to win. I don't care who's playing, as long as we yeah. win. It's true. That's fair, fair so, enough. But but I do I do also agree. I think I think we should be aiming higher than that. I don't think any of the freedom or the answer. I feel like going forward, the future. Well, Bolingoli may turn out to be that on Montgomery, but yeah, I don't I don't think Greg Taylor would suit uh, Postecoglou still because he can't beat a man. Simply can't beat a man. Then. But if well, you can't beat a man, you've got to be able to cross the ball, and it's debatable if you can do that too. He can don't defend. get me wrong, he's a, he's a good defender. Yeah, yeah, that's, I think that's all he is, is a good defender. Eh? defender. You see, once he gets to the halfway line, he gets a nosebleed. Honestly, he cannot do anything in an attacking sense whatsoever. No, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree on that. I'm what not, about yourself? Say, oh, sorry, on you go. <laughs> go ahead, <laughs> Right under this one. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I, I, I said last week that Bongoli would get a chance for me. Um, I, I think that it's a clean slate, it's a new manager, it's a new style of football. He might thrive under this. Um, maybe he was just stale under the previous regime, uh, like many other players ended up being. So, I mean, it's it's easy to point the finger at him just because of the nonsense last season, but you could say the same about many other players that were still on that team. And uh, for me, he, he deserves a chance like everybody else. And if you can get him to perform and there is a player in there and we reap the benefits of it, then that's perfect. Like Franny says, you just, we, we want to win. So it doesn't matter to me who's playing in that position uh, as long as they're doing the job. But I do agree, none of them are real. I mean, it, Montgomery, he's no, we don't, I've not seen enough to really say he is or isn't the answer. Taylor, as we've said, he can defend, but that's about it. He can't get... He, he can't attack, he can't beat a man, his final ball is absolutely abysmal. And we should be aiming higher. And it's not just left back, we need a we need the exact same, we need a solid uh, someday at right back as well. Yeah, um, that's true. So I think there's if I was to count at least first team pedigree, we need at least five uh, mm-hmm. for various positions. And we've no go anything in the door at the minute, but that's not to say that that's not happening. Just to touch upon Montgomery as well, I don't know if you if you folks noticed this in the game against Tartan. It seemed like he was playing like a left wing sort of position mm-hmm. in front of Miller. And he did quite well. I mean, he did get to the byline, crossed a few balls, played the ball in field as well. I was quite impressed by him. Do we think that he could maybe fill that left wing position if there's no one there, Ryan? Um, I, again, I'm, I'm repeating myself, but ideally not, because then we'll, have, then we'll bring somebody else in that's of better quality. I just feel as if we're trying to fit every piece together with different... Like size jigsaw pieces, like we should just be signing players that are are good enough to step into this team straight away. I just I feel like this. I know we're going to be talking about the transfer window later, but it's just negligence at this point. Like where are where are the players? We've only got one. We've got two guys that would have been playing in League One last League One this season that are in the club, and we expect to qualify for the Champions League. It's just negligence. It's it's the same. It's the same uh, habits that that got people so annoyed with Peter Lawwell and it seems that Dominic Mackay's doing the same thing. I know there will be work getting done in the background, but it's still not good enough. There should be four or five players in the door already, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. We'll, we'll get to the transfer window soon, Like, I, I, but I do agree with what you're saying. But a player that does, I mean, who was alone to Marseille last season, other for Nissan, by all counts, he downtowns wanted out of Celtic. Now it seems like he wants to stay at Celtic. He's the rumours he was going to AAK Athens. That's kind of fell through. Postecoglou said he's had a chat with him, Francis, and he wants to prove himself. But by that showing on the second half against Charlton, he was absolutely <laughs> abysmal. Can we see a way 
Can we see a way forward for him, Francis? Well, because I never seen the Charlton game, I'll say yes. But because, <laughs> so I can't, I can't comment. I'm only going by what I read, and by all accounts, he was stinking. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think on his day, he's arguably the best midfielder or one of them in Scotland. Is is brilliant when he can be bothered, but that brilliant just seems to happen one in every maybe five six games. So it's I, what I would be wondering why is why does he want away and suddenly does he believe, yeah. why does he want to stay now? Is it simply because nobody's coming in for him? Because as it seemed, Athens, Athens was on for him, and now it's not, and now he wants to stay. So it's maybe is he want to stay because we're the only option? And as I say, if he's got his head heads in it and his hearts in it, I it's not a bad player to have there on in the ranks because he is really really good on his days. He can break up the play. He's got that killer pass. He's got the drive. He can he can control a game in the middle of the park. But I would just I'm a wee bit concerned as to why the sudden quick change heart. I mean, <coughs> could give credit to Postecoglou, maybe has got that influence on the guy. But I don't. For a guy that was so determined to leave, to suddenly not want to leave, it just. I'm just a wee bit, wee bit cautious with him. I think that's a great point. What you say in, in regards to if he is, if it's hard to it, his head's at where he wants to play football in terms of Celtic. He will. He is one of the best midfielders when he performs. But again, them days are so f- few and far yeah. between. In the, in the last year and a half, we've seen pretty. Silts, pretty much silts of Nick Sam, Brian. And coming to yourself, I think Francis makes it a great point in terms of why does he want to stay. People could point to maybe it's Pasta who's convinced him. Maybe again, it's just filling the space that they don't want to invest in. What What's your opinion on the situation? I've, I've got to say before I say anything, I am one of them um, in Cham's biggest fans. Like, I, like when he's when he, I'm, I'm a massive fan. Like when he's when he's on his game, I, I absolutely adore the guy. I think he just he waltzes around players. I, I remember his performances against Lazio, against Rangers. It, it seems to be all the big games he performs in, but then mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he looks at the fixture list and then circles a couple of the big teams that he's playing against. And he's like, <laughs> nah, I'll no bother against the rest of them. But um, no, he's so, he's so temperamental. And the, the thing is, Postacoglu can't have any passengers in this team. The, the, the style of play doesn't allow for passengers. Everybody's got to be moving. And Incham isn't really a mover, I wouldn't say at all. So I think he's got to adapt or he'll perish in this team, to be honest. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think we're all in agreement in terms of what he can actually provide. Celtic John in terms of his performances. And Ryan, you said some great games when he, as you said, does dance around players, left them there for fun. He's got a good eye for a pass. He's got a good eye for a goal. We've seen that in the Lazio game as well. He finished that, that last goal spectacularly away from home. But do you think maybe that it's just kind of, as Francis said, no other team wants him, so he's kind of took away the request to leave Celtic and, and the hope that he can do something there? I think, uh, I don't know, it's hard to say. I mean, I know it's, it, you, it's easy to sort of assume that that might be the case. Um, but again, um, Andrew's already came out and says, he spoke to the players, and if they don't want to be here, then they're out the door. So I'm assuming the fact that Encham says he wants to be here, he's willing to put the head down and work for it. Um, and if he if he if he features, then he's obviously putting the work in because I don't think Andrew's going to suffer fools. He, he won't. If 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 the guys aren't putting the work in in the training ground, they're not going to feature in the team. It's as simple as that. So if we can get him to find the form that he had uh, in his early days, um, then. Again, we're only going to reap the benefits here. Like we've got a team full of talent, but if you if you take it on last season and stuff like that, then it's hard to sort of be optimistic because so many guys down tools. But we know what they're capable of when they play at their best, and in terms, no different. So 
if 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 again if if he wants to stay and he's willing to work for it and put the heat down and he can find his form again, then absolutely. I mean, it's no questions. For me, it's a no-brainer. You want to keep a guy like that in the team. One but thing again, I think oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Ryan. What are you saying? Uh, one thing I just want to say is he's in the last year of his deal as well. This has got to suit both parties. See if he's so desperate to stay, then prove it. Sign, maybe, sign maybe an extension. Sign a three, four-year extension if you want to stay, because this has got to benefit both parties. Because why? Why would we play a player again for 30, 40 games in a season and then he can just leave at the end with plenty of suitors who can just get him for no fee? We've got to have something at the end of this as well. Both, both parties have got to yeah. contribute this for the for the best sort of outcome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, feel I agree with that. I think there's there's loads of players at the minute. Celtic on their last year of the day. There's things <laughs> quickly. I think Christie's ends in December. Something. <laughs> something weird like that. But moving on from kind of football matters to kind of staff, backroom staff, that kind of thing. And Postecoglou's come out and confirmed that Strachan and the Kennedy will remain part of his backroom team. Again, the rules haven't been defined, but we're led to believe it's going to be key rules within Celtic Football Club. Francis, I'll give you my take on this first. I think it's an absolute disgrace, and we'll be harsh here, that they're involved with Celtic after what we've seen last season. Any other management team would have been out the door. Nothing would be left of the, the, the shambles, the complete negligence, as Ryan's been saying all night, that we've seen at Celtic last season. I think it's a disgrace that Celtic fans have to kind of take this do you know what I mean? It's been sold. It's been told after the season ticket were sold. It's just been kind of put in the press that he's they're going to be staying on. And it, for me, it kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I thought I did generally think that Posta Caldu will at least have two or three people of his own trusted backroom staff with him at this point. But like the transfer window we we're going to talk about, it's been really slow on that front. And I'm absolutely just angry. I, I am angry at Celtic for keeping these guys on. I, I don't. I'm, I'm going. It's harsh, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Well. I fear I'm going to contradict myself again because I thought, like, I can't disagree with what you've said there because by association they should should have been out the door when Lennon left and also the fact that they didn't leave it means can you really trust them because how they they hung about after they like let they just let Lennon take the heat for last year's exactly. failings really and they they hung about as if they'd done no wrong again we don't really know how much an influence they were having on. Uh, the team, but you would like to think of his assistant manager in Kennedy's case that he's got a bit of a say anyway, and, and obviously doing the coaching stuff. But to kind of go away, sort of positive call on Mackay, they did say in the press conference that he'll assess what he's got, he's done this before. That's it's, this is not a, a rare thing for him, he's done this, came into teams before and worked with previous uh, staff and got his backroom staff within. But he'll also assess it, and if he feels he needs to bring folk in, he'll bring folk in. Now, if that's a lie, that's a that's a bold lie to make in your first press statement. So, I've got to I've got to believe them. The now that that what they said there was they do that is the truth. It he is willing to assess it because you really you're not getting a great start if your your first press conference you actually make such make such a lie up if you like. But with Ken, like Kennedy has been part of. A successful Celtic period with various managers, so he maybe is there. Maybe is a bit about him, Gavin Strachan. I thought it's just I don't know what he brings to the team, but I think it's telling that the laptop seems to have went missing. So maybe Postecoglou's got a wee bit of saying he said you can stay, but the laptop goes. It's smear the laptop, and he's actually picked Postecoglou. Uh, but I just 
Yeah, I, I would have had them away, but I can understand them being around also because you don't know where... You'd suspect that Postacoglu would bring guys over from Australia or the, the Asian market, the guys that he knows, and we are still obviously got travel restrictions and quarantine, so do you really want to be getting rid of Kennedy and Strachan? Because, I mean, by all accounts, you could have brought these backroom staff in weeks ago and the quarantine thing would have been done and over and done with. But if you bring them in the now, they're not going to be there for the European game. So, I, I, do you really just get rid of Strachan and stuff and wait for your guys? So it's, I think, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's there's certain variables such as quarantine and travel restrictions and stuff like that and possibly visas or work permits are holding up and bringing in one or two of his own guys because I find it hard to believe that he would travel all this way and not bring at least one guy that he can trust on because I feel that was one of Lennon's biggest downfalls last season is another he agreed not to have his own guys and I think any manager at any club they need to have at least someone someone in the dressing room they can they can trust with and the coaching team. So I'm not against Kennedy and Strachan, but yeah, I, I don't think they should be there. And I should, Postacoglu should be bringing his own guys in. I would have more confidence if he brought his own guys in, but I'm just hoping for the reasons like possible visa issues, the quarantine and stuff like that, that's what's maybe holding up deals. You made, you made a great point when you said in the press conference of the family day one where he said they're going to assess it and take it from there. But Ren, is it a case of assessment or just take what you have and that's it? Because that's what, on the outside, I'm going to be honest to me anyway, it seems like that. I get what you're saying, Francis, in terms of phases, all this kind of thing. But surely when you get that job of Sally or get that first initial contact, we talked about this before with previous managers, like we're not going to say his name, that he'll be working behind the scenes. No, no, I totally, the, totally agree with you. Totally agree with yeah, he'll be, he'll, He should be working behind the scenes, getting his backroom staff together. Even if it is issues, surely they'll come over at the same time as him, do the quarantine then. Do you know what I mean? There's options to get through that. Mm. How are you feeling on this round? Because as I said there, I'm just totally pissed off of it that they're still at the club. I mean, I guess I'm just working under this clean slate. Is mm. It seems to be going through the players and the backroom staff of last season, which isn't, um, it's not ideal to have the same sort of faces that you've seen last season let you down so many times and they're just waltzing in next season as if nothing happened. Like There needs to be some sort of um, ownership of last season or some sort of like apology or something, but I mean, he does have, Postacoglu does have previous for doing this, for going into teams and taking the sort of backroom staff as they go, as they, as they already were there, and just take them under his wing and take them as part of the, his backroom team. But, I mean, I did I did read that he is still trying to bring two or three people in, maybe from further down roles, like uh, fitness coaches and uh, sports scientists. So maybe that's where he wants his imprint on the actual football side of things. But... Um, no, I, do you know what? I'm not as angry as what I would have been three, four weeks ago hearing about this because at this point it's just apathy and I don't want to be negative about Celtic anymore. But sometimes I find that really, really difficult because all they give you is negative things. <laughs> um, is, that, is that you saying I'm negative, Rel? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not. I'm trying not to be honest. It's, it's this clean slate with Posta Coglu, but um, if it was four or five weeks ago, I would be absolutely fuming like you are yourself. But um, no, I'm, I'm just. I'm going with it. I'm, I'm seeing. I'm seeing if they can adapt before making any sort of judgments on whether or not they should be there. I'm willing to give them another chance. I'm feeling. I'm feeling generous and I'm feeling quietly optimistic about new season. So I just want to see what happens and then if it doesn't work out, then then I would be all for getting them out the door and getting his own coaches in that he knows will do a good job for him. But as it stands, it's just a clean slate for me. 
But who knows? At that point, Ryan, is it too late to bring his own staff in if they don't work out? Do you know what I mean? There has to be kind of there has to be a fifty fifty in this. I it's think got, we're all. It's yeah. got to the point like when we're offering guys new deals as well, like we're forced into a position rather than actually having the sort of choice mm. because we need to have these guys now. Because if we didn't, if we put them out, if we put them out the team, then we would have no one. It would just be Postacoglu. Um, <laughs> while while we were waiting for these guys coming in to finish their isolation period, but um. We're here as a matter of urgency, I think, rather than by choice. I mean, I mean, who knows? He might have chosen them, but um, oh, do you know this? I'm, I'm just going to go with it and just hope for the best at this point. To be honest, <laughs> I get what you mean. I really do. But again, it's hard for me because I anything slight like that. I mean, the whole Kennedy track and thing, John. For me, it should have been dealt with when the season ended, and it should have been put in the club. And you, I know what you guys are saying in terms of. There'd be no one on the training pitch, but you could, could get guys up like Tommy McIntyre to take a couple of sessions with the guys until Postecoglou come in, bed himself in with his new backroom team. I don't know about you, John. I mean, it feels like again that I'm very much on my own here in terms of how I'm feeling <laughs> about this. But what's your take on on the staff issue at the minute? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not going to. You're not going to hear me on side here either, Stephen. <laughs> uh, I, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> Well, the thing is, is and I, I've been very vocal about it in the past. I, I've said as well that um, both of them should have left when Lennon did. Uh, they're nowhere. They're not right being anywhere near that team. Um, calling for it for the duration as well. Kennedy is no a manager. He's not an assistant manager. He shouldn't be anywhere near that side of things. If you want to keep him around the club as a coach, then fine, fair enough. I've said this before as well. Um, Strachan, I've no idea what he's doing there. I, I genuinely don't. Like I don't see what what it brings to the club or what benefit him being there has. But listen, at the same time, much like Ryan and Francis, it's a clean slate, right? And I think everybody's deserving a new chance. Now, I'm firmly backing Ange and Dom here, and I trusted every word that Ange said, and I feel fully bought into everything he's telling me. So see when he says that he's the one making the decisions, and Dom says he's the one making the decisions, and it's a case of working to make sure you're getting the right pieces and not making any snap sort of uh, appointments uh, that maybe ultimately aren't going to work. Keeping guys about the club that have been there, that know the club, uh, to some extent at least, um, again, re- referencing Kennedy anyway, no striking, but the, like Ryan said, you get rid of these guys, that's you losing mere personnel on uh, the training ground and everything else, and that's not an ideal position to be in. Now, I'm assuming that I just had a conversation with Kennedy and Strachan. Uh, he's let them know. And I, I still think that Ange is the guy making the calling the shots. And if he's had this discussion with them and they've turned around and they're buying into what Ange is saying, and they're they're willing to work under him, and, and for the greater good and the, for the benefit of the club at large, then uh, aye, they deserve a chance. Like why not? I, I still firmly believe in time we'll see guys starting to filter through in different positions. Uh, I think it'll take time. We said it before, not necessarily just thinking work permits and visas, although they could play a part. Quarantine could still play a part. But I think it's making sure you're getting the right guys in and not just bringing people in for the sake of it. It has to be some guys that come in to work under Ange that, that buy into that philosophy, want to work under him and the kind of style he wants to play, um, that are going to work in tandem with everybody else within the club, like the sports science area. And everything else, um, so that everything is works in unison, and they're all they're all singing for the same hymn sheet. Uh, so th- that is far more important to me than just bringing in faces for the sake of bringing in faces, 
Because Ange has probably got guys he trusts, right, that he could bring in. But they might not be a good fit for the club. And then you've just got Ange bringing in his pal because he wants to work with his pal. That, for me, isn't good. And I agree with what Franny says. Usually when you're bringing in a new manager, you, they bring in somebody that they trust, which is fine. And I'm, I'm sure that that will still happen down the line. I just don't want us to rush it. And we need to, at this point in time, we need to be very, very careful about no making snap judgments and just bringing in people for the sake of it. As I said, it has to be the right guys and it has to be the right time. So I'm, I'm confident and I'm remaining optimistic, much like Ryan says, try to give them a clean slate. And I'm being positive that these things will, these pieces will fall into place in, in due course and we're going to be all the better for it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's fair enough, folks, but one thing that's coming closer, and that's the FC Michelin game, and the transfer window we're seeing so far. I mean, Ren, you, you spoke about it all for It has been, I mean, John talks about time. I get that. Time, you need, you need time to make these decisions. You need time to look at what's right for the club. And I totally understand where he's coming from at that point. But on the transfer side of things, time is not on our side. Time is well past us by, to be honest, isn't it, Ren? In terms of recruits, we need it for this game coming up against Midland. We could be potentially going to nerve the likes of Beaton again, makeshift centre half, Ralston right back. And it, for me anyway, we talked about this in the previous podcast and the guys were a bit more calm about it. But I, I'm, I'm not, to be honest. I think by now, as John actually alluded to previously there, uh, in, in regards to another topic, there should be at least five first-team-ready players signed. Maybe not now, but again, two or three. Expect them through the door surely, Ren? Yep. I mean, Ange said in his first press conference that he wanted players yesterday. Now, that yesterday was three weeks ago. And we've not signed anyone bar uh, Urugidi, who, by the way, is not a right-back. I watched 45 minutes and I've already made my mind up. He's not a right-back. <laughs> He's a centre-back. Um, he, he looks very raw for a right-back, um, if he is to be one. But, um, no, we, we need... There, there are a few areas that we need as a matter of urgency. That's what he said as well. That's what Ange said in his first press conference. We need, we need players as a matter of urgency in certain areas. And I don't think we've plugged those gaps at all. Um I feel like Dominic Mackay's watching Love Island at night rather than calling all the the players for moves. Uh, what what are we doing? I mean, I, I don't doubt that we're doing work in the background, but there's got to be some sort of it's it's got to be quicker than this. Um, we're we're playing in the Champions, we're gambling with the Champions League again as we've done for season after season. Um, we seem to be going into these qualifiers in a worse position every year. And we, we we actually have paid for that in the league when it came to that because now now we're coming in a second place and the, the ties become even more difficult. There's no sort of a pushover teams in it even at this stage. So uh, it's it's infuriating because we just continually refuse to learn our lessons and we make the same mistakes season after season. That's supposed to be a clean slate, but it seems like we're making the same mistakes in the transfer window again. Um, yeah. The, the the squad looks paper thin. We get guys. We get more guys leaving than coming in. I know that. I know that was going to be the case. There's a lot of deadwood in the team, but we need we need to get a move on. This is this is um this is a matter of urgency now because I think the 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 sort of registration period ends sometime this week. So if they're going to announce somebody, if they're going to sign somebody, it needs to be now. Yeah, I I think as well. You make a great point. Like, Alan's one of his first words as he said in the press conference with the players as of yesterday. The yesterday's came and gone three weeks ago. Now we're down the line, and even before he came in to actually like sit in the press conferences, and when it was confirmed, surely he was working on players, John, behind the scenes. And it seems like to me, Celtic have a real bad issue here of trying to conclude deals or trying to see deals through. Things fall through. The likes of the the star the Starfeld rumor, 
that's kind of been halted now. Apparently, there's there's no there, there's nothing going to happen from that. And it's like, why are these pl- these players being leaked in the media as targets for Celtic and then not being seen through? And I get what you say, yes, and no, no time and stuff, but come on here, we should have had at least two or three f- first team players through the door for this game. Well, I mean, I know. I mean, I would definitely have liked to have seen players uh, in the door already. Uh, but again, we need to make sure these are the right guys and we're just rushing signings for the sake of it. Again, we're hearing hundreds of names being linked with the club. We're hearing hundreds of reports about people, uh, deals making progress and then halting uh, for various different reasons. But again, this is all media pish. Like, don't get me started on rumours and everything point- else. But what I'm saying, no, listen, what I'm saying is, and I understand what you're trying to say, Stephen, but what I'm saying is we don't know what progress these deals are at. We don't know what's been done behind the scenes. And it, it wouldn't be the first time that Celtic have sprung one, two, three signings on us out the blue when, they, when we didn't know a thing about it. And if Celtic are keeping their cards close to their chest, they're not letting these stories leak and people are actually keeping their mouth shut for a change and stuff isn't getting out to the press, then who knows? Ange, I think there was an interview the other day, he kind of hinted at the fact that there's going to be new faces in the door very, very soon. So I would suspect that at least over the course of this week, maybe early into next week, that we're going to see signings, and I'm confident of that. And I think that they're just obviously, again, see because you're not hearing it in the news doesn't mean it's not happening. And I'm, again, firmly in the belief that Stuff's getting done behind the scenes. They're keeping the cards close to the chest. I'm not reading into, I'm not reading too much into the people that were linked with or what progress and stage that the deals are at. I'm just hoping that that stuff's getting done. And again, yeah. like Ryan, I'm going to try and remain optimistic. And you're not going to bring me down. I'm, it's going to happen. <laughs> they're going to spring. They're going to spring a few signings out in this over the next week or so, and everything's going to be absolutely fine. It's not. John, it's not trying to like b- b- bring the positivity out of the situation that we're feeling in terms of possible cognitive. It's real. We're seeing it happen. The only player that's come through the door is Urugiri. That's not good enough. As Ryan said, these guys like Sean Urugiri would have played League One football. Ryan did make a valid point, and Urugiri is the only guy we've brought in. But what I'm saying is, see, let's say by the end of this week, Celtic announced three, four new signings, then what? Are you still going to say, well, oh, this has been an absolutely shite windy because they weren't no. there in quick enough? No. What if they don't? Well, what if they do? <laughs> yeah, the, problem, the problem for me is the timing of the signings because it seems uh, as if we sign players once we're out of Europe. Why is there such a, a rush to get signings when we're in the, maybe the Europa League? When we could make signings for the Champions League, get into the Champions League and then make that money tenfold, we'll get £40 million automatically. It doesn't make sense in a financial situation for me at all or a financial standing point. And I, I, I agree with that, but let me come back to you with this, Ryan, right? What if, say, we've approached these targets, we've had a list, guys, maybe Ange wants to bring in, he's had a look at etc. We've deals that have been accepted, we've sat down, we've held talks with these guys, and Ange has let them know, this is the way we want to play, and he's he's not liking the look of these guys or the responses they're giving, they're not buying into it. Would you prefer that we were bringing in guys early, spending money, bringing in guys... Um, because we've got a Champions League hanging up, rushing them in the door where they're not going to fit long term. No, I, I do agree that he needs his own guys in, but um, what, it's just we're at a, a point of urgency with certain positions. I just don't want to be going into a Champions League qualifier with Anthony Ralston. <laughs> what about yourself, Francis? What's your feeling on, on the transfer market? I mean, you, you can hear me. I, I'm I'm just like, they should be doing more. Pretty and simple. 
I'm I'm probably sort of a 70 30 got to try and stay positive here because I've like a bit of a bold statement, but like guys like Klopp, they know the type of player they want, like your Virgil van Dijk, they'll wait a season to get that type of guy. No, please, we've not got to wait a season, but maybe that's all uh, Postacol goes in. He's, he's having to wait to get the right guys in, but to totally flap it, like bringing guys in the now, they're not going to be able to play in the European game unless they come from Britain or they're. If they are a, a foreigner, they come, like they're actually based with a British team because if you're coming for pretty much any European country, you're having to isolate again. So anybody we do bring in, well, like John said, if we do bring in three, four boys over the next four days before the deadline, the likelihood of them playing in this game is probably slim to zero. So it's as good as it will be to see guys come in. It is, it is technically too late. It's... As much as I want to stay positive and do feel we shouldn't rush them because we really we can't afford to get it wrong, you can't. You, you sort of the delaying it could also be getting it wrong because, like Ryan said, you if you don't make the Champions League this season, there was a group stages. It's forty million. You're guaranteeing forty million. You you don't necessarily need to spend forty million to get into the Champions League. Again, you could fluke it and get in with spending nothing. You could spend a hundred million and not getting it. It's all about finding the balance. It's sort of speculating to accumulate, if you like. But also, you've got to make sure you get the right guys in to win the league because you're guaranteed the Champions League next season. So you don't have to worry about that. But That, that can... for me is the most important thing, Franny. And well, I, know... I, I know, John, because it's... Like, see, you could... If you, if you get into the Champions League this season, you're going to attract a better level of player. And it means you can maybe get... In January, you can maybe go, right, we'll get this guy in now and get him... Six months is oh, in, in the door, and that you're so you're preparing for the next season. So it's I'm I'm sort of a, try to stay positive, but also you can't help but pick Postecoglou up on his comments when, like I said, we need signings in yesterday, and like Ryan said that yesterday was three weeks ago. Now is that Postecoglou's problem or is that a Celtic problem with Don McKay? It's, well, I, I mean, there, I, there's a, there I could be a number of I, I, there could be a, a number of issues, but I'm leaning towards it being more the sort of hierarchy because it's it's we've got history not being able to conclude a deal very quickly. It's it usually takes us a wee while to conclude a deal because as much as I've been very vocal and said last last summer's window on paper was a great window, a lot of these boys came in in the last couple of days of the transfer window, so it's yeah, season a- season sometimes kicked off before we've actually completed completed our sort of business, I feel like. I know you can't really help that with a window, but you should really have a lot of your guys in for these Champions League courses. Like I says, we, we gamble every season on them, and inevitably it's, it's caught up with us the last few seasons anyway, so I don't know why they're doing that again. Aye, a lot of those players came in after we were out of the Champions League as well, which isn't ideal. Can you just try to appease the fans, it feels, to an extent, it was like, oh, we'll spend the money now just to keep them on side, and it's like, well... That, that's what I feel would be the case if we were bringing in signings, rushing in signings. I mean, let's bear in mind, right? Ange is no longer in the door himself. No, and no. If if you start signings start filtering, coming through thick and fast, right? It's like okay, you're appeasing the fans, you're bringing in players, you've got a Champions League qualifier coming up, and it's like fans might be happy with that. They still need time to gel into the the everything else that comes with that, the style of football, the, the rest of the team, and everything else, and they need time to adapt. So there's no guarantee that that's going to be the case anyway. But no, no. Like there's I said, no guarantee I think, of any signing, but I know you're saying delete, again, but 
You're just delaying it and delaying it, aren't you? It doesn't matter when they come in. They're, I know, I'm, I'm just trying to remain positive. <laughs> I got so mad, but... This is why I was banging the drum repeatedly about us getting a sporting director in the door that was Great doing point. this in March, April time, so that we didn't, we weren't in this position, and we still don't have anybody in that sort of role. We don't even have a chief scout. Like, it's, it's no surprise that we we only have one guy in the door because we're so unprepared well, for this sort of thing. Well, look, guys, right? I mean, fair enough. We're we're all divided in terms of the transfer market and things. People are happy with it as it is at the moment. But again, there is a kind of need for urgency in certain positions. And one of the positions, Ryan, you touched upon was right back. Obviously, the car the car Starfelt rumours kind of halted. There's no news there. The likes of Fuscovides has went dead as well. And there's other reports suggesting that Celtic are in process of making a £4 million bid for Brandon Sapi from Rennes, a young 19-year-old uh, played for Rennes, I think it was like 15, 16 times last season. Yep. He's got admirers from European uh, football teams as well. And also a French youth international. Is that something that interests you, Ren, in terms of coming in for Ralston anyway? <laughs> Surely everything is better at this stage. He, he, ticks, uh, he ticks multiple boxes for me because um, he's profitable because he's French. French players are just profitable. That's just the way it is. They're more profitable than Scottish players, you've got to say that. He's got Champions League experience. He played there last season with Ren against Chelsea. I remember watching him a couple of times. Um, and... He's got that experience of playing in the Champions League as well, which is what we need if we're even trying to get into the Champions League. He's used to that sort of pressure. And then after a couple of years, we could sell him on for a profit. I think it just makes perfect sense. And he's not Anthony Ralston, which is also a positive. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I, I sound like he's big as tater. I just, I just oh, don't at all. Um, I think it makes sense. I think if the asking price is 4.6 million, then you pay the asking price and get it done. I think if this guy is going to be half decent, he's going to make four or five times that amount for you, then bring him in because we need a right-back um, and you've got to speculate to accumulate with these sorts of things. Get him in the door, get him acclimatised and get him in that team. You're 100% right, Ram. <laughs> Coming to yourself, Francis, right? Ram makes a great point there. If the asking price is £4.6 million, pay the asking price for this player because we've seen it so many times before. You said it, Ram said it, John said it as well. Celtic failed to conclude deals at times, and it's like, what are you doing? Pay the money. Would you take this guy in, Brandon Sabi? I've got him. I don't know much about him, but I, I would, I like what I read of him. And like I said, I've obviously looked at a couple of YouTube videos, but I've touched on that before. What YouTube videos can be? It's <laughs> you're not putting a crap YouTube video up. <clears throat> Even me managed to achieve not to put crap ones up so far. So only crap, all right. <laughs> the only crap YouTube video I've seen is a 14-minute clip of a of Amido Baldi. I knew back then <laughs> an absolute dud. <laughs> but yeah, it's like I, I I'm a firm believer. Just just pay the price if it's if it's four point six or four, what. Just just pay the price. What we're not really in a position to be haggling. Well, teams will know this that we are we're kind of desperate for players. So. They're 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 going to play hardball, especially if they don't need to sell. So it's one of the one of the things. If there's no rent, maybe don't need to sell. It's like somebody chapping your door when your house is not for sale and saying, "What to buy your house?" You've got to bump off a few quid on it because you're not looking to leave. So why you you don't just don't just pay the? I totally agree. Just pay the price that you look at Man United a few years ago. They were trying to get back to where they wanted to be. Prices got overinflated, but they just paid it because they were like, "Well, we know what they need to do." To where to get where we need to be. So, yeah, I'm all I'm all for paying the price as long as you're not getting shafted. Like, as much as I'm, a, I quite like the idea of Aaron Hickey coming in. I thought he was an exciting prospect. Like, you don't 
there's a limit you can go to because if it's eight million, I think eight million is a big gamble on a guy like Aaron Hickey. But if you're paying the four or five million that I think we were willing to pay, I'm okay with that. But just if the, if the asking price is four point six, just just go and pay it. If they've made it public, saying or not necessarily public, but they'll know what they need to go through. It's not. I don't think it was Bologna ever said what they wanted for Aaron Hickey. It was just we apparently made the bid and suddenly it was eight million. You're like, well, we don't value him at that. So we're not going to go with that. So with this, what it's just, and I think the French market in general could be a good market to go to, mm-hmm. simply because they've got issues with TV deals. A lot of teams are really going against, maybe not going out of business, but they're struggling financially there. So there is deals to be done there. So, but at the same time, don't go there and try and haggle. If they'll know what they want for a player, they know what they need to get for a player. So deals, I think, can be made in the French league, but. Just, uh, just pay the price. Pay the price and get the deal done. It is a great point. Pay the price, get the game, the, the deal done. What, what about yourself, John? What, Brandon Sopi, do you would you take him as the right back for Celtic? Yeah, I would definitely. Uh, I think right, like Ryan alluded to as well. Uh, the French market, I think, is one that we could benefit heavily from, as we have done in recent years as well. Like Musa, Edward, and Champ to certain extents. Um, I mean, this is a guy. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to pretend I know too much about him. I'm, I'm aware of who he is, um, but um, I mean, he, he's still he's, he's in uh, the French national setup, um, which we know is one of the top sort of youth setups in the world at the minute. He, he's part of that. Uh, he's highly rated in France uh, as a young player, um, and um, this this is uh, I'm saying this more jokingly than anything else, but. It, it, it did surprise me when his name was linked and I said this in the group chat and earlier at the call as well but it made me laugh because like Soppy's another guy that like for those of you that play football manager <laughs> uh, is, one of, is one of my go-to signings so <laughs> I, I've, I've been picking him up on football manager for years <laughs> so that's it, good enough for me mate I'll take uh, that <laughs> oh, for, for Ralph and, and he's got a very high ceiling for development in football manager as well so <laughs> If, if you buy into all that, carry on. But I mean, as I say, the fact his name's been linked with us is, is funny for me in that aspect. But for what I do know him, um, he's certainly a, he's a rated talent. He's in a very good youth setup, uh, And like you say, that French market is t- filled with potential. So I think we could greatly benefit from it. And again, it is a position we need. He does play there. And, and it, it's something that we could benefit from greatly long term, definitely. Yeah, 100%. I think we're all in agreement. Then I think it's kind of better than Ralston. And again, it's not a, it's not a personal attack on Anthony Ralston. He's just not good enough for Celtic. I'm sure he can find 100%. another club at a decent level and play his football for the rest of his career. Doesn't that Celtic? We need to sign yeah. someone better than that. But moving but on to... Let's give some credit where it's due, though. That, it wasn't the best cross, but he floated into the box for a year. He's header perfectly. Nah. Yeah. Well, it was a nah. great touch. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, it was done for me that day, and I've said that for that day, I laughed at Neymar when we were getting pumped five or six nothing. I'm like, mate, come on. It's hard not to laugh at Neymar. I bet. Date when you're, like, no, when you're getting pumped five nothing at him. Right. We're going off topic here. Neymar's not this, <laughs> right? So we're going on the outgoings, right? And partly Celtic have rejected a 13 million bid up front for Brentford, raising the 15 millions we add ons. And they've rejected it. They're holding down, I think, for 15 million up front, raising the 20 million with add-ons, which is just stupid. I think they should have accepted that bid. And we, I made it publicly known that he's been promised to leave, Ryan. And surely to God, they keep the camp happy, they keep the camp from kind of not having these want-away players. 
that was a great deal for Celtic to take there, wasn't it? It was, yeah. But at the same time, they must be holding off because they know they can get money. Now, two million, 13 million is a great offer, but see two million down there, that's pennies compared to what it is up here. Like We could sign a good prospect here for two million, but to them, two million is just pennies. They must know that these teams are willing to offer that wee bit extra to get a player. And I like that we're standing standing up for our... Um, standing up for our transfer dealings and that, but I think there's a big uproar about this because we don't have a replacement for Ayer in the door. I think if we did have guys in the door, then this would hardly get talked about, but because it's it's involved in all this sort of rebuild and we, didn't, we need new players in the door, I think that's why people are getting so annoyed about it. Um, I, I, do, I do think Ayer will leave. I think that bid will come in. It's just about getting the right bid, and I do like that Celtic are standing up for themselves, but... I mean, it's, it's, it is getting to that point that you need them out the door. You need the guys that want away out of the door before we can properly rebuild because we need guys that are willing and able to play for the club. I mean, there's no doubt that Ayer would play for the club if need be. I, I doubt he would down tools. Um, but at the same time, we need we need guys that want to be here and 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 around the team. And Ayer wants to go, so we should let him go. But only if the price is right, as, as Bruce Forsyth would say. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're saying, Ran. I think it's interesting that you say the uproar in terms of obviously fans and stuff kind of been like holding out for more. But I've seen the opposite, especially on my social media feeds in terms of Twitter. Fans were saying, let him go at that price. Do you know what I mean? Because that £13 million could go to the Fuskovitz deal, the Starfelt deal. Maybe that's what they need, the extra few million quid to get the mm-hmm. deals through, Francis. I think for me personally, in the climate, we have to kind of get real in terms of what coronavirus has done to clubs financially. There's a lot of clubs that you just said France are in financial difficulty due to TV deals. There's a lot of clubs around European football who are not bidding quite the same as they were in terms of these high-priced bids. And looking at it logically, from my point of view, I know you used that logic against me earlier in the show, <laughs> but I, I think personally that the 13 million plus the add-ons is a great deal for her. I know, I know pre-COVID people were saying 20 plus, and I, I agree with it then, but just now, I think that's right. I know, I, I, I think it's a great deal considering the guys... As much, I don't want to downplay our league, but we generally don't get great offers for our for our players. So, like fifty potentially fifty million for a guy that's publicly came out and said they wants to leave, and he's in the last year of his contract. I, I think that's, I think that's a great like. I, I do think that's a really great deal, great deal for I. And he's a player I like, so it's. I'm not saying I want him away, but the guy doesn't want to be there. He's gave us. He's gave us a good good bit of his career and stuff so I, I wish him well when he does leave but yeah I would I would take that deal but again I, I agree with Ryan in the sense that it's nice that we're we're holding firm and saying look no this is the price this is what we want now I think if we're saying 20 million and they've offered well 13 with the potentially going up to 15 I think there's got to be a wee bit of middle ground I think maybe Celtic are wanting 15 million guaranteed without and then maybe try and put add-ons on top of that so I think I think you might be talking maybe around the seventeen million pound top end with maybe a sell on fees what's got to get the deal done. So you've kinda of got to respect Celtic in the sense it's they're they're holding out for what they believe is the market value for the guy. Now I know obviously coronavirus has maybe changed things, but I don't think it'll change things too drastically in the premiership. I mean the T V money there's just stupid. Absolutely like I think Brentford for coming up got about hundred and fifty million, so like yeah. 20, 20 million is nothing to Brentford. It's a smaller club that is, it's 20 million. But I, it's it's post the call, I feel sorry for. And that's because he's obviously want guys that are want to be there. 
Now, like Ryan said, I don't believe Ayer would down tools. I think he would play for the jersey, but he doesn't want to be there. So just, I'm not, I don't mean that get him out the doors the wrong term, but try and get a deal done for him. And like I said, it helps with that rebuild. It might, it might allow you to go and get Viskovic and Starfield as opposed to if Ayer stays, you're only getting one of them. So yeah. as Postacoglu is who I feel sorry for on this one because like I say, he's got, got a player there that doesn't want to be there so just I think it's in everybody's interest to try and try and make a deal happen yeah I mean it's quite crap that they come in then not on ours but promise they can leave instead of yeah. him getting that choice do you know what I mean so it is a bit of a 50-50 I get what you're both saying it is great to see Sally Colden out for more money but then again it's that haggling and hardball just take the, take that 13 million get the add-ons in the future and there's, mon- there's money for the club to spend on um, I don't know about yourself, but as I said to the guys there, I thought we should have took that money and invested in the, the plans, that the plan recruitment side of things anyway. Well, I mean, I I can see what you're saying, but you're awfully sure that Ayer even wants to go to Brentford. Maybe Ayer's not interested in playing for a newly promoted team who might well be in the Championship again next season. And thinks he's point. better than that. So, oh, see, usually touch it. Sorry, John. A lot of deals now, the, the contract's agreed before a bid comes in because teams didn't want to look stupid. Because you, you look at, to go to like the Morelos deal, he agreed terms with, was it Leela or something last season before they even made a bid, so I think he would have been going to Brentford if they can, I think he'll go to Brentford if they can agree a price, because I think he would have agreed a contract with them. No, I, I don't know, like, I, I, I reckon Ayers probably set his sights higher than that, and again, oh, maybe he feels like, where he is now, compared to Brentford, he's probably thinking to himself, nah. That's not where I want to be. I want to leave the club, but I want to go. I want to be play. If he's going to be going to the Premier League, I'm assuming he'll want to be playing on a team that's guaranteed Premier League football year in year out at least, um, mid table at worst. So, I mean, there there could be many underlying factors as to why that deal wasn't accepted. And it's all right to sit here and say, "Oh, we should have just taken it and used the money to do this, that, and the next thing." That's not how it works. It's not as easy as that. Um, it it does seem on the face of it a good deal given the fact that he wants to leave and we know his contract's running out etc but I, I'm, I'm actually I, 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 I'm proud of Celtic first standing firm on it and, and not just accepting it just because because I you mentioned like how Covid affects teams and that I don't think we are overly affected by it to the point where we need to um, just bout uh, the English Premier League money um, or lack of because for many many years they've come to us with chump change and They've undercut us with player valuations and everything else, and then they're they're spending twice, three times that on players. Half the player hire is it's ridiculous. Um, so now nah, I think we f- we should be holding out for for more for hire, absolutely. And listen, see if we get him for another year. And we again, he's not going to down tools. I don't think he's the kind of player that would do that. And again, at least for this season, we'd benefit for it. So fuck them. Yeah. I bet well, from like, a business point of view, it's, that's a horrendous thing to do, just to let guys like go for nothing. So we should just sell them just because? No, but I'm just a bit better business at the end of the day. In, term, nah. in, in terms of the business, I don't think we should just accept the first deal that comes from No, no, exactly. no, I agree with that. I agree with that. And just well, see look, the best offer they can do. Well, well look, I think, it's, I think it's fair to say that you guys obviously want a bit more, and I do hope we get a bit more. I'm just saying what Franny was saying there. You take that gamble of him staying on again next season, be let go for free. There's £13 million pound to take up front. I know John was saying in terms of chump change, we're all in agreement with that. We're fed up with the, the EPL coming in with stupid like just stupid money for our players. And it's like, what are you doing just because of the level we play at? 
But guys, that brings us to the end of the show. It's been a long show, and for that reason, I'm not going to do a quiz because it's been a fantastic show filled with debate. And I want to thank Ram McGinley from the Celtic the Thunder the Thunder podcast for coming back on. Ram, have you enjoyed it? Yeah, it's been great fun. I'm I'm glad I don't need to lose another quiz, so I'm I'm quite relieved <laughs> in that sense. But, um, it's been good fun. It's good to get some of my feelings out in the open regarding Celtic. They they, they just scunner you, but it's good to talk to some like-minded people about Celtic. Yeah, 100%. And a big congratulations again to yourself, Francis, and your partner, Lynn, Thanks. on Cheers. the news you're expecting to be. Have you enjoyed this one? Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Really enjoyed yeah. that. And to yourself, John, the co-host, we always disagree, but we'll manage to get the show on the road. Thanks again. I appreciate all the hard work you do. And until, every, until we speak again, everyone who's listening, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.